0: Shalom, shalom, world changers. Welcome. We're gonna have a very interesting, interesting study tonight. We are reading from Numbers chapter fifteen and going forward from there, talking about a lot of different things. Unintentional sins. The that would be the uh, uh, sin sacrifices and atonement that way. Talking about the seat seat. We got a little bit of a prop here. Seat seat. Okay, talk a little bit about that. Uh, also, uh, uh, God create a sinkhole in the days of Moses. We're going to talk about that as well. And various other very interesting things. So, yes, absolutely. Make sure that uh, if uh, you have any friends or family members that's interested in just kind of gathering here for an online live study and talking about these things, asking questions, make sure they know about it. Send a message and share this video. So we have here in the chat, we have um going nowhere says greetings on youtube greetings going nowhere one john 226 shalom mortals well shalom welcome uh Calimento says shalom all shalom elizabeth drury says shalom everyone shalom elizabeth good to see you welcome going nowhere says i believe god laid it on my heart to share these verses at this time maybe someone needs reassurance Uh, so, so here you go. It says Romans 8, 38 and 39. We'll read that in just a minute. Jeff says, such a blessing to have Christopher here for us every day. Thank you. And shalom. Well, such a blessing to have you guys here. (laughs) Such a blessing. Um, thank you for your questions and your comments. Thank you for that, uh, encouraging comment there, Jeff. And welcome as, as always. Blessings, blessings. The second first, shalom, you all. Shalom. Shalom, the second first. Good to see you. Uh, Psalm 94 says, Shalom to one and all. Shalom, shalom. 1 John 2 26, 10 watching and two thumbs up. Hit that thumbs up. Thanks. Thank you very much, 1 John 2 26. And the uh, second first says, Done. Vinny says, shalom everyone shalom Vinny. welcome as always good to see you the great the great deception shalom peace to you all shalom peace multiplied back to you brother byron says shalom friends shalom shalom and uh the great deception says i wear a seat seats awesome awesome we're going to talk about that uh tonight hey i mean like i said if there's anybody that you guys know that hey maybe there might be on the brink of eh, crossing the line so to speak going you know What should I say? Breaking through into a new level of of, uh, their walk with the Lord. Make sure they know about what we're going to talk about tonight. And I think it's going to be very interesting. So, getting back to, before we go too far here, getting back to, let me see, Um, going nowhere's comment says uh, Romans 8, 38 to 39. Okay, let's just quickly run over there and just take a peek at this.
1: Romans 8. Uh, romans eight i'm gonna start at verse thirty seven just because it's part of the
0: um part of the 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 paragraph that I have here in, in on this uh bible this Bible translation. So verse 38, yet in all thing, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Let me just, hey, you know what? We are more than conquerors. We're not someone who just, you know, is a slave to sin. We're not somebody who is, you know, uh, resigned to sin, right? We are, we're not somebody who struggles, I mean, to the point where we're we're enslaved to it. We resign ourselves to sin like so many other believers do and it makes me wonder what they believe because yeshua said in John chapter 8 in the context of sinning he said if if you know the truth the truth will make you free so that's how we're more than more than conquerors a conqueror is someone who's i mean hey I, that's very respectful and honorable but we are more than conquerors because we have the power of God behind us we have the grace of God that conquers the most <laughs> If you could say okay, impossible, it's not impossible, of course, it's possible with God. But conquering sin is greater than conquering cities, okay? So we are more than conquerors because we, we are able, through the grace of God, uh, to repent and conquer sin. Verse 38, for I am, re- uh, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor depth. Nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ah uh, yes. And there's um <sighs> you know the people people like to claim um this is not the particular thing i'm I'm talking about specifically but there are different things that paul uh, mentions when it comes to you know those who are in christ you know there's neither slave nor free nor you know there's neither male nor female all that in christ but the thing is this is a thing a lot of people are not in christ even if they believe in christ they're not in christ that's a very powerful concept there what does it mean to be in christ in the messiah to give give your life completely over to Him, to obey Him, and to follow His commands. I mean, that's it, to be in Him, to be baptized into His death, to to be risen with Him, and uh, to be seated in the heavenly realms with Him as well. Amen, amen. Thank you for sharing that going nowhere. Uh, KMJJ says, Shalom, all be forever blessed. Multiplied, multiplied back to you, KMJJ. Austin says, Shalom, brother. Uh, uh, shalom, welcome, welcome, welcome. Okay, so I am also starting a live uh podcast as well here. So just want to start that out. That's uh podcast live on Podbean. So yeah, very, very interesting. Follow Yeshua as uh, the Great Deception says here on YouTube. Follow Yeshua. Walk as He walked. Yes, absolutely. Amen. That is a mouthful for sure. That's it. That's the goal right there. Okay, so let's let's begin reading Numbers chapter fifteen. A lot packed in here. A lot packed in the the chapters that we're gonna get. Uh, They're gonna read tonight. So lots. And lots of are you guys ready? Are you guys ready for a good, you know, a good meal? Right. Let's 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 do it. Numbers chapter fifteen verse one, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land you are to inherit, which I am giving to you, and you make an offering by fire to the Lord, a burnt or a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering or in your appointed feasts." to make a sweet aroma to the Lord from the herd or the flock, then he who presents his offering to the Lord shall bring a grain offering of one-tenth of an of fine flour mixed with one-fourth of a hin of oil, and one-fourth of a hint of wine as a drink offering. You shall prepare with the burnt offering or the sacrifice for each lamb, or for a ram you you shall prepare as a grain offering two-tenths of an ephah fine flour mixed with one-third of a hin of oil. As a drink offering, you shall offer one-third of a hin of wine as a sweet aroma to the Lord. And when you prepare a young bull as a burnt offering or as a sacrifice to fulfill a vow or as a peace offering to the Lord, then you shall, excuse me, then shall be offered with the young bull a grain offering of three-tenths of an ephah of fine mixed with a half in a half of a hin of oil and you shall bring as the drink offering half a hin of wine as an offering made by fire a sweet aroma to the lord thus it shall be done for each young bull for each ram and for each lamb or young goat according to the number that that you prepare so that you so you shall do with everyone according to their number all who are native born shall do these things in this manner, this manner and presenting an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And if a stranger dwells with you, or whoever is among you throughout your generations, and would present an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord, just as you do, so shall he do. Again, this is not just for the God, this is for anybody, who whosoever will. All right, verse fifteen. One ordinance, one ordinance. Okay, in the footnote, one statute, one statute, one ordinance shall be for you of the assembly, and for the stranger who dwells with you. An ordinance forever. It doesn't say until the Messiah comes. It doesn't say for fifteen hundred years until Jesus is born, dies, or resurrects. Directed, whatever, or until Acts chapter 2, it says forever. Throughout your generations, as you are, shall the stranger be before the Lord. There you go again. The Torah isn't for the Jew. It is for the Gentile as well. One law and one custom shall be for you and for the stranger who dwells with you. The stranger here, the ger uh, in the Hebrew, meaning again the Gentile. Verse 17, again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land, which I bring you, then it will be when you eat of the bread of the land that you shall offer up a heave offering you for offer a cake of the first of your ground meal as a heave offering as a heave offering of the threshing floor. So you shall offer it up of the first of your. Your ground meal you you shall give to the Lord a heave offering throughout your generations. Now here's a very interesting portion of scripture here. Laws concerning unintentional sin. Just before I read this, just as a reminder, a lot of you guys already know this by heart, but in Leviticus chapter 4 and Leviticus chapter 5, we also have the very same concept here where we we have sin offerings that is that are made, and it just only for unintentional sin. Basically, that means that uh, you you sin unintentional. It's not intentional. Um, either you don't know it's a sin, or it's you know it. You know, there's many different circumstances that can be classified as unintentional, but simply just something that you don't will to do. It's something that happens. That's really kind of outside of your will. Is It's for one reason or another. So then it's unintentional. So again, uh, laws concerning unintentional sin, Numbers chapter 15, verse 22. If you sin unintentionally and do not observe all these commandments the Lord has spoken to Moses, all that the Lord has commanded you by the hand of Moses from the day the Lord gave commandment and onward through your generations, then it will be, if it is unintentionally committed, without the knowledge of the that the whole congregation shall offer one young bull as a burnt offering, a Roman to the Lord, with its grain offering and its drink offering, according to the ordinance, and one kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the whole congregation of the children of Israel, and it shall be forgiven him. For it was unintentional, they shall bring their offering an offering made by fire to the Lord, and their sin offering before the Lord, their unintended sin. it shall shall be forgiven the whole of the children of Israel and the and the stranger who dwells among them, because all the people did it unintentionally, and if a person sins unintentionally, then he shall bring a female goat, very interesting, it says female here, uh you know. I say that because a lot, you know, the tr, the tr, <laughs> tongue tied here, the traditional Christian narrative doctrine tells us that the, that the sin sacrifice is, is, um, uh, was fulfilled in Jesus. You know, the sinless, spotless lamb. <laughs> I would just a question how did jesus fulfill the female goat sin offering just a question just a question maybe somebody in the comments might want to answer that question especially somebody who might be from a traditional christian point of view but hey hey there is a question how did jesus fulfill the sin offering of a female goat. And we read before as well that the sin offerings, there was sin offerings. I'm not saying that every sin offering was like this, but hey, if he fulfilled the law completely, 100%, how was this fulfilled?
1: And this is not the first time it talks about a female animal being sacrificed. So, just a question. Then he shall bring
0: a female goat in its its first year as a sin offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the person who sins unintentionally. When he sins unintentionally before the Lord to make atonement for him, it shall be forgiven him. And uh, you shall have one law for him who sins unintentionally, for him who is native born among the children of Israel, and for the stranger who dwells among you. How many times does God have to say this? (laughs) And I couldn't tell you how many times I've heard Christians say the Torah is only for the Jews. Apparently, you didn't read the Torah. <laughs> Either you you didn't read it, or you read it and it went over your head no, no capisce, no understand, no comprehende. Uh, it says just in this one chapter alone. This is you know not counting all the umpteen number of times it says before this chapter, but just this one chapter alone. It says. One law, one Torah in the Hebrew, one Torah for the native-born Israelite and for the stranger, meaning the Gentile. Not two, not two. Well, God has a different Torah, uh, God has a different, uh, he's got different rules for the Gentiles as he does does for the Jews. Wrong, 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 wrong. That is diametrically opposed to the word of God. It's it's a convenient way for uh, you know for modern Christians to excuse the Torah, but it's not true. Numbers chapter fifteen verse thirty. This is under the uh, subtitle of law concerning presumptuous sin. Oh yeah, there are so many presumption presumptuous sins even in the church today. So much presumption in the church today. Presumption when it comes to salvation. Oh. That's huge, guys. That's huge. Presumption when it comes to salvation. Well, I said the sinner's prayer, and the preacher said, Billy Graham said, you're saved. Welcome to the family. You were born again. I can tell I can tell you firsthand experience. There was many times I said the sinner's prayer. I literally got on my knees and said the sinner's prayer before I was saved. Many times. And I can tell you. I have, I wasn't born again. Because when I was truly born again, then I knew it. I didn't have to have anybody tell me. When you are born of the Spirit of God, I'm talking about the greatest, biggest, most wonderful, most powerful person in the universe. When that person comes into you, when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you don't need anybody to tell you. In fact, you're telling everybody else. you't don't, you don't need anybody else to convince you. You're trying to convince every you know everybody else. You don't need a preacher to say, "Congratulations, you're born again." you know, in fact, any preacher that says that, it's reprehensible to me. because there are many people that go away thinking that they're born again because of that, when they're really not. Truth, guys, that's truth, because they have never really repented. They've never really received that grace of God, that power of God to set them free from sin, to break the chains of sin. They've never really come to the place of dying to self 100%, crucified with Christ and risen with him, a brand new creation, a brand new creature. They've never come to that place. All they did is just make a decision and said a prayer, walk away the same person. We can talk about this. There is so much presumption in the church today. I'm not going to talk about you know. I'm not going to get into much more. But not only that, not only when it comes to salvation, but also when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, and that's huge as well. When it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, there are so many people who think they have tongues when it's not the real deal. There are so many people who think they have prophecy that they can actually hear from God and speak the word of God when it's not. True prophecy from the Lord. Just as Jeremiah said, It's pro- they're prophesying from their own spirit. They're prophesying from their own mind, from their own heart. And they think they're well-meaning. I know they're well-meaning, but they're deceived because they think it's God. At least they really hope that it's God. <laughs> and they portray it to be God. And in pride and in presumption, they claim it is look how great I am I've got the gift I've got this wonderful spiritual gift I've got the gifts of the spirit I can operate in the gifts of the spirit a true prophet doesn't go on a a true let let me just say this the prophets the true prophets of the scriptures do they go around wearing the title prophet hello I'm prophet Isaiah yeah, oh, nice to meet you. I am prophet Jeremiah. I am prophet Michael.
1: For the most part, if not 100% without without exception, when someone
0: proclaims themselves to be prophet, you can pretty much guarantee they're not.
1: Prophets are, they don't, a true prophet of God does not display such arrogance.
0: Lots of presumptuous sins in the church today. Lots. Both in the charismatic world and in just the evangelical world. And also a lot of other, I'm sure we can talk about a lot of other denominations and different factions and sects of the Christian faith as well that also uh, practice presumptuous sins. Presuming when it's not the real deal.
1: Numbers chapter 15 verse 30 But the person who denies anything
0: presumptuously whether he is native born or a stranger that one brings reproach on the on the Lord he shall be cut off from among people presumptuously in the footnote defiantly literally with a high hand so again it shows it, it it paints a picture of of arrogance here of pride okay with a high hand, defiantly. Now, anyone who does anything with a high hand, presumptuously, whether native-born or a stranger, that one brings reproach. And again, in the footnotes, brings reproach or blasphemes. Now, we mentioned there yesterday how blaspheme literally means, by definition, to speak evil uh, uh You know, if you blaspheme Jesus, you you speak evil of Jesus. When you blaspheme the Father, you speak evil of the Father. When you blaspheme the Spirit, you speak evil of the Spirit. This is is a good example of how you can blaspheme God by action, by your actions. By presumption. And again, we have so much presumption in the church today. Presumptuous sins. Whoever commits presumptuous sins doesn't matter—native-born, Jewish, or Gentile—that one brings reproach or blasphemes the Lord. He shall be cut off from among his people. This is this could be where Yeshua gets the idea, or maybe I shouldn't put it that way. Where Yeshua actually pulls from the Torah to preach his uh, doctrine about blaspheming the Spirit of God, basically. Blaspheme the Spirit of God, you're done. That would be where he's he's you know rooted into this particular verse right here, where those who blaspheme the Lord shall, uh, shall be cut off from among his people. Verse 31, because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. There are a lot of people today that despise the word of the Lord. Um, and I'm talking about evangelical, uh, ultra-conservative Protestants. They claim, oh, they claim to to go by the Word of God. You know, Bible, the Bible, and, and that's all. I mean, the 66 books and no more, no less, and every word in the Bible is God's Word for you today. However, they cut out almost the entire thing, except for maybe the Gospels, maybe, uh, maybe... <laughs> a lot of them cut the gospels out too except for the letters of paul that is despising the word of the lord that's despising the word of the lord and talk talk about breaking commandments they don't just break commandments they they say that the commandments are not even in existence anymore it's it's done it's it's fulfilled it's nailed to the cross I mean, that's blaspheming the commandment. That's blaspheming the Torah. That's blaspheming the word of the Lord. That's, (laughs) That's doing more than just breaking the commandments. That is just trashing the commandments permanently. Because he has despised the word of the Lord and has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off. His guilt shall be upon him. Penalty for violating the Sabbath. Verse 32. Now, While the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. Now, let me just say this, okay? This this is a typical, this is a a favorite of a lot of antinomian, Paulians out there that like to, they like to pull this out, arguing against the Torah. How many people have you stoned today? Have you broken the Sabbath? You should be stoned, according to we're going to deal with this. Okay, let's let's read this verse and let's let's really talk about this because if you haven't heard that kind of ex- excuse um from the sabbath breaking Paulians, you will <laughs> sooner or later you will. Okay, so again, verse 32, now while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on the sabbath day. And those who found that found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. They put him under guard because it it had not been explained what should be done to him. Then the Lord said to Moses, The, the man must surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Verse 36. So, As the Lord commanded Moses, all the congregation brought him outside the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died. Okay, let's just—let me give you guys a little bit of a, a tip, okay? A tip. When it comes to the Torah and you want to dig in deeper, you need to understand the cultural context of the Torah. You need to understand the Jewish culture and context of the Torah one such resource that i highly recommend that you refer to in your studies now i'm not saying that everything that that's on this website is true you know no but it's a good resource and it's got a lot of good stuff on it and that is safaria.org i know those of you who have been um following me for a while you know i go here from time to time safaria.org let's look up and i'll show you uh what i mean and why i said what i said here because if you look up that passage in safari it brings out a lot of good points about this particular um story of this man who was gathering sticks arrested basically almost like a citizen's arrest brought before moses and he eventually was stoned by all the congregation let me say this there were millions of people who were with Moses in the wilderness at that point in time. Millions. You cannot tell me that all of these millions of people, three to ten people, depending on what kind of, uh, you know, what you think. And this is, I mean, at least three million people, if not closer to ten or more. Nevertheless, let's take the lower number. Three million people. You can't tell me that three million people would be Subject to the regulations and and instructions of the Torah, and
1: only one, only one, defied the Sabbath day to be stoned. Hold this for a minute.
0: There's a lot of Christians today like, oh, nobody can, you know, nobody can obey the Torah. You, you break this. You, it depends on how. You look at it, it's like, some people believe that you break the Sabbath just getting out of bed, basically, in the morning on Sabbath day. Like, it's just ridiculous. But it depends on how you interpret it. And this is what we're going to get to here in just a minute. This is very, very important. This story is a story that's used by atheists and by antinomians, Paulians, to shoot down Torah-observing believers. So let's dig this. Let's dig into this for a second. Going to Safaria. For those of you who are not com, uh, familiar with this, it is s e f a r i a dot o r g. It is a Jewish website, um, and it has a lot of good. Um, it has a lot of good resources on here. So I went to. Safari. So yeah, I went to the Tanakh. I went to the Book of Numbers, chapter fifteen, verse thirty-two, and you see over here on the right-hand side there is a commentary that we we, we can read the commentaries from some of the most famous, most well-respected and trusted Jewish commentators throughout the millennium okay uh and uh, the talmud the midrash the halakha halakha would be the jewish law and many more the targum we got lots of stuff going on here okay lots of stuff but let's just check out the commentary here for a second rashi rashi a very very famous jewish commentator okay so let's see what he says here and when the children of israel were in the desert they found a man that that picked up wood on the sabbath day this must mean when they first came into the wilderness and scripture is speaking here to the disparagement of the Israelites that they that they kept the first Sabbath only for on the second, this man came and desecrated it. Okay, so let's go to Ramban. Ramban says he placed... He placed next to this section the subject of the man who gathered sticks on the Sabbath day because it happened at this time after the incident of the spies. This is in accordance with the plain meaning of Scripture. By the way, a lot of, a lot of Christians do not get the plain meaning of Scripture. And this is the meaning of the phrase, quote, and while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, so that is found in verse 32, for it was because the people tarried there on account of the above-mentioned decree that this event happened. Afterwards, he commanded the, the precept of the seed seed. Okay, we're going to get to that, the fringes or the tassels. In order that they would remember through it all the commandments, and not forget the sabbath as did the man who who gathered the sticks or any or any of the other commandments now the reason why Zit seed have uh have this power re- reminding one of one of all of the commandments is as rashi wrote because the total numer- numerical value of the letters of the scriptural word seed seed is 600 and together with the eight threads and the five knots um you have Six hundred and thirteen corresponding to the six hundred and thirteen commandments. Okay, so um,
1: let me just go through, yeah, I don't want to read this whole entire thing here. Um, let's let's read verse
0: 33 uh, Rashi. It says, they that found him, that's the man who was picking up sticks, they that found him picking up wood, the redundancy of the phrase, okay, in the Hebrew, intimates that they warned him not to do this, and yet he did not refrain from picking them up, even after they found him and warned him. Now, that's in Sifre, Bamidbar, 113 and sanhedrin 41a let's go to sanhedrin 41a for a second here Uh, because you see this is a very good important um point here when it comes to the capital punishment in the torah it is in context someone has to be warned somebody has to be um be given a chance to repent there's a lot of other different conditions that have to be met. There have to be witnesses. The witnesses have to be certain kind of people, not friends or family. There's lots of different things that need to be met. But they have to be warned. It's not like, oh, look at someone just picked up a stick. Let's stone them. And it sounds very harsh. It sounds merciless. It sounds very, you know, on the on the surface, it sounds very strict and very uh shockingly what can i say you know what i mean i mean it just sounds shocking that someone can be stoned to death just for picking up sticks but those who understand the hebrew content the cultural context and the depth of the hebrew manuscripts would tell you that deep within the hebrew of that passage. We have proof that this man was actually warned. He had plenty of time to repent. Let's check this out again. Uh, this is Sanhedrin 41B. Apply it to the manner of lashes as, as form warning is required see, form warning is required for the court to be able to oh, excuse me to be able to administer lashes. The school of Hiskia taught. A source for uh, uh, the requirement of forewarning from the verse concerning the court imposed capital punishment meted out to a murderer, as it had, as it is states, as it is states. Quote, but if a man comes unintentionally upon his neighbor to slay him with guile, that's in uh, Exodus chapter twenty-one, verse fourteen. How do you know the witnesses? How do the witnesses know? That he acted intentionally. Keep in mind, in Numbers chapter 15, we just read about a whole big section about unintentional sins, right? But this is a this juxtaposed to that. This particular man who picked up the sticks did it intentionally. He knew the Sabbath. He knew he was breaking the Sabbath. He was warned, and yet he still did it. So let's read on here. It says, it must be that they forewarned him, and he and still acts intentionally. The school of Rabbi Ishmael taught a source for the requirement to forewarn transgressor, transgressors from the verse concerning the court-imposed capital punishment meted out to, a wood ga- to the wood gatherer on Shabbat in the wilderness. It is stated, quote, and they that found him gathering sticks brought him. By writing, quote unquote, gathering in the present tense, the verse indicates that they forewarned him, but he is still gathering, not he who gathered. In other words, in other words, this is not in the past tense. This is in the present tense, which means they found him. He knew he was doing wrong. They warned him. And yet he continued doing it in the present tense. Gathering. The school of Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi taught a source for the requirement to forewarn a transgressor from the verse concerning the court-imposed capital punishment meted out to one who commits adultery with a betrothed young woman, as it is stated for the matter Devar. I mean that would be word that he has humbled his neighbor's wife. Um, Okay, so again, without reading this whole entire thing, it goes on to explain that throughout the Torah, forewarning is required. Okay, you can't just you can't just stone a person for gathering sticks. Um, unintentionally, or if he was ignorant of it, it, he had to have been forewarned. And that's a very, very good thing for every one of you to know. know, Like I said, if you haven't come across someone who uses this particular scripture to, you know, as a pot, you know, shooting at you to, you know, they're trying to shoot down either Torah observance or the whole entire Bible itself, um, you need to understand uh, that in context this this man, the wood gatherer, the stick gatherer, is a man who was warned and he intentionally said, "I don't care, I'm not obeying the Sabbath. you can warn me all you want. I'm going to continue gathering." And because of that very obstinate attitude, setting himself up against the word
1: of God, against the commandments of God, he got what he deserved. So that's that's the story there. Okay, so
0: verse 37, this is... Numbers chapter 15, verse 37. Speaking of the seat seats, the tassels, as they say, seat um, Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. That you may not follow the harlotry uh, uh, to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember, again, it's very important to remember, remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you up Brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay, so let's talk about the seat seat. Okay, so this is a homemade seat seat, the tassels they talk about. Um, this is done in the more of a, uh, I guess you would say, a messianic way. Uh, the seat seat that Jewish people wear today do not have, does not have the uh, the blue thread in it, even though it says in the scriptures that it's supposed to have a blue thread in it. Um, let's see, I'll show you guys again. This is verse 38. To put a to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. Okay, so this this word blue is t'chelet in the Hebrew. For a long time, uh, people were wondering, what exactly is this t'chelet?
1: What is it? What color is it? What exactly, what color is it? Um
0: now, without going into a whole lot of detail, you can actually see videos of this, and there are websites and lots of articles about it. To make a long story short, uh, there's been a lot of research done on it. And there's been a lot of archaeological excavation, uh, not just excavations, but um, uh, research and uh, evidence that they believe that this tekelet, this blue, actually was a dye that came from a snail in the area of the Holy Land back in those days or in around that area. Um, and this, what they did is they, they would have to take a, the snail and the snail had uh, a particular gland in it that produced this blue dye. And this blue dye apparently was is such a powerful dye. Even today, it's very, very, it's a very strong dye. It's a very, a uh, robust dye. They even say that it, in a bleach solution, it, it withstands bleach even better than a lot of the, the modern dyes that we have today. And the color of it is a sky blue, a sky blue color. Now, I've just, I, I you know, this is made uh, this is made from uh, just a blue string and uh, some whites. Um, there are different ways to make seat seat. And so uh, this here, what we did was we took three, I'm going to have to make a video of just actually making CC. Right. But we took three white strings and one blue string and put it over, let's say like a, um, a dowel or like if you got a chair or something with like a, you know, um e- it's kind of hard to explain you got to put it over something round or something like that or even something square uh, and uh, and tie it make like a double knot and then wrap the blue the blue uh the blue string needs to be longer than the white strings and you wrap now it doesn't say in the scriptures how to do this but this one here particularly is wrapped 10 5 6 5 10 wraps of the blue and then tying all four um four strings together, the three white and the one blue all together in a double knot. So we have the first the first uh level here is ten wraps, then a knot, five wraps, a knot, six wraps, a knot, another five knot, uh, five wraps, and then a, the final knot. Basically ten, five, six, five uh is the um the code of Hebrew letters for the name of God, right? Yud, yud wow, hey. Or the Tetragrammaton, as some would call Yahweh or Yahuwah. Uh, so the name of God is in the, the number of wraps here. Um, another thing is, too, from a Jewish point of view, Jewish tradition would tell you that the blue
1: thread represents the Messiah. The blue thread represents the Messiah. Um
0: Now, you won't read this, you won't hear this from any Jewish source, but it's very interesting to, to connect the dots and say uh, the Jewish people actually stopped putting the blue thread in near the end of the, the, uh, the first century. And that is when actually what I call the greatest schism happened, when the Jewish people and the followers of Yeshua split. So it's, it's almost like when they split from the doctrine of the Messiah, of Yeshua being the Messiah, around that same time they lost the blue thread. You say, "How could you lose the blue thread?" Well, what happened was because of the destruction of the temple, they were driven out of that area, and they couldn't make the blue thread because they were, um, and like in exile, so they couldn't make the blue thread. And then they lost the uh, the tradition of uh, how to, how to make the blue thread. What does it come? What did what kind of dye was used? So even to this day, uh, Jewish. Seed seat, Jewish seed seat, non-Messianic Jewish seed seat does not have the blue thread in it. So it's very very interesting. But the whole idea, the whole purpose of the seed seat. Now this one here is made to put around the belt loop, right? So you got like a belt loop. You can just you can just put it around a belt loop like this. Hang it from your belt loop. um, And I know some people would argue saying, well, it doesn't say in the scriptures, it's supposed to be hung on a belt loop, supposed to be hung from the four corners of the garment of your garment. And again, from the culture, from Jewish culture, garments, the garments back then, and even today, Jewish garments have actually, it's like a square garment that they, you know, it's like a hole in the center. And they put is it's like a square, not square, but like rectangle, it actually has four corners and they have uh, the tassels hanging off of each corner. I, I I would argue that even though
1: it's on a belt loop and it's not, you know, it's not um, explicitly on a corner,
0: I would argue that it's the next best, best thing uh, to the corner of a garment because, um, you know... It, I guess in, in our cult- culture today, uh, we don't wear, a lot of people don't wear uh garments that have four corners on them. Uh, but the purpose of it is still intact. The purpose uh here is uh that you can look at it, look at the seed seed and remember to uh, to obey the Torah, remember the Torah. Because we see here again, we have um Verse 39, you shall have the tassel that, here it is, here's the purpose again, that you may look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, and that you may not follow the harlotry of uh, to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember and do all my commandments and obey, or, excuse me, and be holy for your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, I am the Lord your God. So, very interesting, uh, very cool thing to wear. Mar- it kind of marks out the people of God. Um, and again, looking at it, and it's it's a it's a very simple thing. It's it's not hard to obey this commandment, uh, to obey this mitzvah, to obey this part of the Torah. Just to you can buy the seat, seat online. Um, you can actually even go. This is something that is very rare, but you can actually go to a Judaica shop or a Jewish shop. I think you can order it online as well. You can order the actual dye that they that they used back in in the days of Moses, the techelet. You can order um a thread that is made with techelet. Um Explicitly. Actually, um, I, can, I can show you the real deal.
1: Uh, just give me a second here. Uh, okay. So
0: yeah, just give me a minute here. I'll I can show you the real deal because it is something you can order online. You can order the uh, Tekelet. I'm not sure. Let me see.
1: Yeah, here, I'll show you a picture
0: here. Um, I think this is. One of the websites, you can actually go to, to Techelet.com and order it. But um yeah, it's it's actual the actual seed seat, seat or the actual thread that was dyed with the with the legit genuine Techelet that from a snail, from the snail that they believe that that is actually what Moses used. Um,
1: just give me a second here. I can, I can show you guys. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: so this is, I'll show you. Some seat that is made from the official, the authentic tefillet that they believe that was actually used in the time of Moses. That's the color right there. That's the color right there, guys. Okay. Those threads that you're looking at right now were dyed using that very snail. Um, that many people as scholars and, and, and many historians believe that is exactly what Moses used and the people of Israel used in thousands of years ago. Okay. Now the, the, the website for those of you who are interested. Again, I'm I'm not affiliated with any of, with this company or anything like that. I'm just I'm just as a brother. I'm just sharing with you guys. Uh, you know where you can get this stuff. I, I don't get it, I don't get a penny for this at all. So, but this is a website. Um, one of the sources you can get it from. Uh, so, I know you can't really see it uh, the address bar, but I'll spell it for you. It's T E K h-e-l-e-t dot com to kill it okay and the name of the product actually is Til to so uh p-t-i-l-t-e-k-h-e-l-e-t but again to go to this website All you have to do is go to your address bar and type in T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T dot com and you will get there. And I believe you can order right on here Um, those particular. Yeah, it even shows you a picture of the snails that they use there for it. Um, But that's they uh, understand they they believe um, many people believe that there is plenty of evidence that that is exactly what was used in the days of Moses for their tzitzit. So, very, very interesting. Praise God. Uh, praise God. Hey, I mean, God is restoring a lot of things. Let me get to some of your comments here before we, before we go too far. Um,
1: okay, so... Okay, it says here, um,
0: Jeff, you said a lot of audio packet loss, skipping audio. Oh, it, is there? Is there anybody else experiencing that? Christina says, my audio is struggling too. Okay, thank you for letting me know. I, yeah, I wasn't aware of that.
1: The Great Deception
0: says, we were researching. And ifa, what we could find about one about five and a half pounds, so a tenth would be
1: about a half pound, give or take. Yeah, that's
0: right. Um, the Great Deception goes on to say they are indoctrinated to say it's only for the Jew. Uh, he who endures to the end, he shall be saved. At the resurrection, we will be born again. Jeff, did anyone else lose the stream for 30 seconds? Hmm. Sorry about that. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I At this present time, just reading your comments and checking out the, uh, Um. I got here a network connection quality, a quality graph here, and it shows like 10 out of 10. So I, I hope everything's good now. 1 John 2.26 says, I I had an aha moment yesterday. Yeshua said, I have only come for the lost sheep of Israel. So if you are a Gentile and you and do not keep the royal law of liberty. You will not be saved. Absolutely, yeah. People would say oh, that's like the book of James, for example. The book of James is only for um, is only for the uh, uh, for the twelve tribes. It's not for the Gentiles, and Paul is for the Gentiles. Well, again, the book of James. Uh, if if you reject what the book of James says, because you believe it's only for the Israelites or the 12 tribes of Israel, and you believe you're not part of it, then you must not be part of the plan of salvation at all. And the final destination of the heavenly city is not for you as well, according to Revelation chapter 21, where it says the heavenly city will have only 12 gates for the 12 tribes of Israel. There is no ger gate, okay? There's no, there, there is no Gentile gate, Christina, Uh, Amos even said, I'm not a prophet, I'm a herdsman, but Yahuwah told me and said, go prophesy to my people. Yeah, very, very humble. And that's the thing, right? To be humble is the key. The more humble you are, the more God will raise you up. Who has Word is Truth says Shalom, all Shalom, welcome. Mark says Shalom, welcome, Mark. Shalom. Yeah, this is something too. The Great Deception says many will say I am Christ, Christos, anointed, the anointed one. Uh, not I am Yeshua. Much confusion on this. Yeah, it's it's I I have heard it
1: uh, interpreted as that way as well.
0: Who is Word is Truth says, thank you for the invite, love, fellowship with like-minded brothers and sisters. Welcome aboard.
1: Great to have you on.
0: Christina says about the point... Uh, There's only one guy out of millions that broke the Sabbath. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, we need to think about this, right? Only one guy out of millions of people that actually broke the Sabbath to the point of deserving capital punishment. Okay. So that should tell us that, because I'm sure, I mean, if not everybody broke the Sabbath, at least according to some interpretations if you know what i mean at least maybe perhaps
1: on a well i maybe i shouldn't say that but i mean
0: the point is this many christians today make it sound like oh everybody does break the sabbath therefore look at this i mean this guy gets this guy gets capital punishment for breaking the sabbath like pfft, like this is you know just extreme but again in context, he was one out of millions that pushed the limits more than anybody else. Excuse me, because nobody else got put, capital, excuse me, capital punishment like that.
1: Nobody else. The, the Great Deception, yes, the Corps punishment Corps rebellion came after the command to wear seed seeds. Yeah.
0: One John two twenty-six, it's a royal blue color from snails that they thought was extinct but what uh, has now been found again and are multiplying for the new israel very yeah that, that is that's true for sure it says i bought mine you need to look for messianic seed seat
1: it has longer blue thread yes Yeah, the great deception says
0: I make mine and I make the blue thread longer. Yeah, it's almost like the sh-
1: the um Shamash, right? In the um the Shamash c- candle. Christina says I made mine, but I didn't know the number
0: of times to wrap the blue. So I did seven sevens. Okay. But, you know, again, it doesn't say in the scriptures how many times. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's, I wouldn't say that's, you know, that's that's cool. Right. You do seven sevens. That's cool to me. Great Deception says, I've seen a Jewish brother. His were all
1: white and on his belt loops like I do. Hmm. That's kind of a mix between the two worlds. Going nowhere, it says, is there any way to please
0: God? Yeah, very, there's many ways to please God. Any way to make God proud of you? Yes, there is many ways to make God proud of you. Because uh, when I read Isaiah 64, 6, it can, be, it can be discouraging. I mean, you please God by faith, as it says, but faith is nothing without works. You look at what Yeshua said. You know, enter into the joy of the Lord. Good and faithful servant. He talks about all the, he talked about how uh, he would be very pleased with the, with his good and faithful servant that takes his, his talent and and multiplies his talent. And um, then there are the sheep versus the goats in the parable of the sheep and the goats. And so uh, Isaiah 64 verse six, let's see what we got here. all of us have become like one who is unclean and all of our righteousness is our life. I, I, I said, there's so much, so many videos I've posted about that particular verse, so many. Um, I have spoken to this very, very many times before. This is the idea, okay? Do not buy into the modern day Christian narrative that, that uses that to apply to everybody. Say, so, don't even try to obey the Torah because all, all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. Read what it says. Read the context of it. The people that Isaiah are talking about there are a specific group of people, not everybody. It is it's, again, let's quickly go over it because some of you might, maybe you guys need to do it, need to hear this again. But so The verse before the all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, I I understand this is like another one of these sales pitches from evangelical Christianity, right? This is a sales pitch. Don't even try to obey the Torah. Don't even try to, you know, obey, obey God's law because you can't. Even if you do, all of your righteousnesses are like filthy rags. You're done. And so, therefore, you need Jesus. Well, again, you do not. Jesus does not need a salesman. Especially a salesman that uses sales tactics and sales pitches and selling points that are not even true. I mean, Jesus can do well all on his own, okay? He doesn't need a salesman to lie to the people. Here's the truth. Go to the verse before. You come to the help of those who... This is, this is Isaiah speaking to God, okay? You, which is God. Come to the help of those who gladly do right who remember your ways now let me just go to a different translation here maybe the new king james okay you meet you meet him who rejoices and does righteousness now just like the niv again you you are glad you come to those you meet him who does right who who rejoices and does righteousness okay so there there's a few different categories a few different groups of people here that, that Isaiah is talking about number 1 the him who does who rejoices and does righteousness what does that mean the person who enjoys practicing righteousness remember first john says very clearly he who practices righteousness is righteous. It doesn't say he who believes in Jesus is righteous. It says he, this is New Testament, by the way. First John, he who practices righteousness is righteous. So here Isaiah said, just in the verse before, you, God, you meet him. Not You're not just pleased. You are pleased, but you're so pleased you go to meet the person. You think about it. You've got a royal king or even a president or prime minister. It's one thing to please the king or a leader of a nation. But it's another thing to please that person so much that it's like, you know what, I got to go meet this person. That, That that royal king or leader of a nation wants is not only is pleased by what you do but wants to meet you and actually goes to meet you so isaiah says you god you meet him you go out of your way you step off of your you go to meet him who does righteousness so there is there are people who are righteous who rejoice who enjoy doing righteousness enjoy it and do it continuing with verse 5 who remembers you in your ways okay so this person re- this person enjoys and does righteousness and remembers god in all of his ways now that's it for that then isaiah kind of turns the coin flips the coin so to speak turns it to the other side you god are in, are indeed angry for we have sinned okay notice there are two different two different groups of people here those who Love and, and appreciate those who enjoy doing righteousness, who remembers God, then there are we. Whoever's him who does what's righteous, who remembers God in all of his ways, and, and we have sinned. Two different groups of people. In these ways, we continue. Uh, Now, again, I don't want to, I want to make this super, super clear for everyone. There is a contrast here. There is a pers- there's the person who does righteousness. Then we have the sinner. We got him who does righteousness, who loves to do it, who remembers God. And then we have the sinner, who is the opposite. God is angry with the sinner. He doesn't want to meet with the, with the sinner. The opposite. In these ways, we continue. And we need to be saved. Right? again we have the salvation thing verse 6 but we we are all like an unclean thing this is not talking about him who does righteousness this is not talking about him who rejoices and does righteousness this is talking about the we who have sinned the sinners we are all like an unclean all like an unclean thing why because i mean these are dirty filthy rotten stinking sinners that's why all of our righteousness is early like filthy rags. Why? Because they're sinners. They don't do what's right. They don't they don't enjoy. They don't rejoice and enjoy doing what's right. They don't remember God in their ways. They're sinners. They're, so therefore, all of their righteousness are like filthy rags. We, again, this is the same group of people, the same the still the, the the sinners group that uh, all of whose righteousness is early like filthy rags, we all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. And there is no one who calls on your name. No one of who? This, again, this is not talking about the one back in verse 5, uh, where it says the, the him who remembers God in all of his ways. This is, this is one who calls upon God. This is one who prays. This is one who enjoys obeying the, the commandments of God, who does what's right. It's the opposite. These are the people who are the thinking filthy sinners who do not do what's right. Who do not call upon the name of God. They don't pray. They don't stir themselves to take hold of God. They don't pray. They don't care about praying. They don't care about God at all. For you, God, have hidden your face from us. You you have consumed us because of our iniquities. So again, here we have two different profiles here the profile of him who does righteous who who loves to do what's righteous who enjoys rejoices and does what's righteous who who remembers god then we've got we who have sinned who continue to sin and need to be saved unclean they're filthy they're stinking sinners they they fade they're fading away as a leaf their iniquities have taken them away again they're not born again Verse seven, no one, n- those people do not call upon the name of God. They don't stir themselves to take hold of God. They, God has hidden his face from them. Again, please understand this is completely opposite to the, to the person up here, which God loves to meet. God meet wants to meet the one who who who's not a sinner who's who does what's righteous but then we have the ones who fade away as a leaf their iniquities taken them away uh, in other words they're slaves of sin they're they're consumed with sin no, they don't call upon God they don't pray and God hides his face from them God consumes them because of their iniquities so Bottom line is this, if you include yourself in the category of those whose righteousnesses are like filthy rags, then you must also say that you are consumed by iniquity, you're fading as a leaf, you continue in sin, you are not saved, you are like one who, you don't call upon God, you don't pray, God turns his face from you. In other words, you are cursed and you are consumed because of, uh, God consumes you because of your sin. So obviously, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6 is not, not talking about everybody. It's talking about, basically, it's like the atheists. They, they don't care about God. They don't believe. They, they don't go by the commands of God. They, they don't pray. They
1: don't pray. They're fading as a leaf. They're drying up. They're dead. Not the one who does what's right. Not the one who does what's right. So if you truly are
0: saved, right? If all the old has passed away and the new has come, like, hey, I'm telling you, it was the end of August 1992 for me. And I still got this book. And you know, I flash it every once in a while. This is the book I read 30 years ago. 30 years ago, approximately, August. I read this book. And this led me. There's seven steps to freedom in Christ in this book. Okay, Each, Each step has a scripture, has a testimony. And has a prayer each step. It's a very small little book. I read it in one sitting. Step one: counterfeit versus real. Denouncing the counterfeit. You know, accepting the real. Denouncing lies and accepting the truth. Step number uh, step number two, deception, deception versus truth. Step number three, bitterness versus forgiveness. Digging through your heart. Step number four, rebellion versus submission. Step number five, pride versus humility. Step number six, bondage versus freedom. Step number seven. Equations versus renunciation. So I read this book in August of 1992. The very end, the last prayer in this book. You know what? I'll read this. The the very last prayer. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget it. I was on my knees at the side of my bed as a teenager. And I prayed this. I went through this book wholeheartedly, repenting with all of my might, turning and making a decision Oh, uh, for truth, for, for forgiveness, you know, all the steps that I just mentioned making a decision and just doing it with all of my heart. So the last prayer, dear heavenly father, I come to you as your child purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are the Lord of the universe and the Lord of my life. I submit my body to you as an instrument of righteousness, a living sacrifice that I may glorify you in my body. I now ask you, remember, this is after digging through all of, going through every one of these steps and digging through all of the trash and getting everything out, going through all every step of repentance and cleaning up my heart, cleaning up my mind, cleaning up my life. After all that, I prayed this prayer. I submit my body to you as an instrument of righteousness, as a living sacrifice that I may glorify you in my body. I now ask you to fill me with your holy spirit. I commit myself to the renewing of my mind in order to prove what your will is or that your will is good, perfect, and acceptable for me. All this I do in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I was a teenager going to a staunch,
1: staunch Baptist church when I prayed that prayer. <laughs>
0: I wasn't involved. In, I, I did not know much about any kind of Pentecostal, charismatic, Hol, Holy Spirit, this, whatever. When I prayed that prayer at the end, after I cleaned out everything in my life, I set the stage. I I cleaned the house as, as Jesus said, I cleaned the house you know, made things ready. You know, and I invited God in with that prayer. I now ask you. To, I now ask you to come fill me with your Holy Spirit at that very moment. At that very moment, I will never forget. I felt, and I almost like I saw something leave me. I was involved in a lot of darkness before, spiritual and sin, all kinds of stuff. I felt something come out of me, and then I felt in the the Spirit of God come into me and fill me. And for the first time in my life, I heard a lot of sermons. I I all the you know the Roman Road of Salvation and the sin, said the Sinner's Prayer many times. Read the Bible even at that point in time, a fair amount. I was a believer. But for the first time in my life, and I did not expect what I experienced. I did not expect it at all. I did not know what. I I had no clue. What to me it was like. Wow. I was when the when the Spirit of God came into me for the first time in my life. I felt full, and I don't know how else to describe it because previous to that. Prior to that, I did not know what it was like to be full.
1: I did not know what it was like to be filled with the Spirit of God.
0: I did not, for lack of a better way of putting it, I I, I did not know. I, I didn't know better. I did not know any better. As soon as that happened, and when I say, when the Spirit of God came into me, I felt Him breathing in me, as real as ever. And from that point on, as a teenager, I remember walking around. I remember even sitting, from time to time, I'd be just there, and I, I could feel Him breathing in me. I could feel Him breathing in me, like like CPR. Like I'm talking about physical breath. I'm not talking about something imagined in my in my imagination. I'm talking about real, real. I felt the breath of God come into me. I remember walking down the street and feeling it. Wow. It's when this happened to me, it so impacted me instantly. I immediately got on the phone and I called, I called someone right away and I said, you need to get this book, and you need you. You just need to. That's all I got to tell you. You just need to get this book. That is the time when I knew what being born again really meant. That's the time I really know. I really knew what Jesus was talking about in John chapter three, and then I felt the Spirit of, it, 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 not just breathing into me, not just breathing in me, but also I can feel. It pouring, I can feel the spirit of God pouring out of me like from my belly. And I then I knew exactly what Yeshua meant when he said, the spirit, the living waters will flow out from your belly. I knew exactly. It's like reading it. You can read something all your life, but then when it happens to you, it's like, whoa, now I know. It's like it's like reading about Queen Elizabeth in the, in the uh, pa, you know Buckingham Palace you know all your life but then you go there and you meet her and you talk to her you can read all you want for years and it's nothing's like when you actually experience
1: it You can read about riding a bicycle But until you actually get
0: on a bicycle and learn how to ride it then then it's a totally different ball game it's a totally different thing it's a totally different world and that's the way it was for me reading the scriptures versus experiencing this stuff that's what made the big difference in my life that's when i i I, it's like man that's what really got me to the point where it's like man I see so many preachers telling people, welcome to the family of God. You know, people come up forward, you know, they do the altar calls, come forward and they say, bow their head and say the sinner's prayer and yada, yada, yada. Welcome to the family of God. Now you're a brother and sister in Christ. I'm like, man, you shouldn't be saying that. Because if you really are born again, if you really do have that spirit of God come and fill you, you are infused by the life of God himself. And you are telling other people, you don't, you don't need anybody to
1: convince you. You don't need anybody to convince you. So that, I mean, that's my experience.
0: But yes going nowhere Isaiah 64 verse 6 I I don't think that applies to you at all going nowhere I, I hope it doesn't I mean it's not you know not if you're a person who prays if you're a person who does what you can do to obey God that doesn't apply to you at all all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. again that's for people who don't
1: even try that's for people who don't don't care. They don't seek God.
0: They're caught up in the web of sin. you can you can see that for yourself when you read the surrounding verses, the textual context of it. Read verse five, six, and seven, then you'll see there's two different groups of people. It's almost like how when people say, "Well, there's none righteous, no, not one. Um, excuse me. God spoke, about, God spoke of righteous people hundreds of times in the Scripture. Again, when, when Paul says there's none righteous, no, not one, he's quoting Psalms, which is talking about atheists, those who say there's no God, or the fool has said in his heart, no God. S- people who sin according to the law of God. Those people, there's none righteous, no, not one. Because we got, for example, all the way through Scripture, it talks about righteous people. All the way through Scripture, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 7, both of those chapters say, both times, twice it says that Noah was righteous. How can you, I, again, how can Christians believe there's none righteous, no, not one, when the Bible says many times there's, there are righteous people? Noah was explicitly declared as righteous in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 7, all the way through to the New Testament, right? Luke chapter 1, verse 6, Zechariah and and Elizabeth, not just Zechariah, but his wife too. It says very explicitly they're both righteous, walking in all the commandments
1: of the Lord. That's exactly what it says. Uh okay, so Vinny says, I have mine, the seat seed on my car keys, and uh when my keys are in my pocket, the seat seeds hang out. Awesome. Yeah,
0: you know, this is interesting too. This is interesting too. The uh the great deception you can order from Israel locusts and honey, like John 8. Locusts are clean, yeah. Um yeah, I've seen that. Locust, like dehydrated locusts. That's that's pretty interesting. I've never I've never uh consumed locusts um up to this point. Maybe one day I will. If it's clean, it's clean. I mean
1: if the Bible says it's clean, it should it shouldn't be a problem. It's clean. Okay. So Nathan said about the audio, my audio is fine. Audio
0: is good for me. It's better says Jeff. Thank you guys for letting me know. There's a problem. If it gets too bad, I will do whatever I can here on my end to make sure that you guys have the best quality possible. Okay. Now let's, uh, let's get into, uh, we just got numbers chapter 15 read so far. Let's go into numbers chapter 16.
1: Numbers chapter 16, verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son
0: of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On the son of Paleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel. 250 leaders of the congregation. Representatives of the congregation, men of renown. These are just, these are like high-ranking men. Well-respected men. Verse 3. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Now, why would they do this? Even after Numbers chapter 12. Remember, Miriam was struck with leprosy or skin disease, because all she said is, hey, uh, God used Moses. She, uh, God can use us just like he used Moses. That's all she said. And God struck her and rebuked Aaron harshly and really put them in their place. Yet after that, why would people, I don't know, you know, <laughs> People amaze, people amaze me sometimes. Why would they, you know, again, not learning from history, right? Not learning from history. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, you, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Huh. Again, why would they say that after Numbers chapter 12? Numbers chapter twelve, God explicitly made it clear that um, that Moses was one of the like, the most humble man in all the, in all of the uh, earth, and the only one that was worthy to experience what he experienced face to face with speaking face to face with the Lord. And yet they say something like this: Why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of, of the Lord? Verse four. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face, and he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy. (laughs) Oh, my. Korah, I think you barked up the wrong tree. And will cause him to come near to him.
1: And the footnote, set aside for his use only. So let me just back up here for a
0: second. Uh yeah, let me just back up here. This I just saw the other footnote here, the footnote for um right here where they're they're saying to Moses and Aaron, you take too much upon yourselves. And the footnote is you assume too much for yourselves. So what they're saying, basically, what what their charge against Moses and Aaron was this, you know, you are exalting yourself too high, you're taking your you're taking upon yourself too much, you, you know, you're um you're putting yourself in a high in a in a position that's that's high, too high. Okay, so so Moses then, okay, so he felt he falls on his face apparently in prayer, and then he's speaks to uh, Korah and all his company, saying, tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. That one whom he chooses, he will cause to come near to him. Do this, take censers. Korah and all your company, put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the holy one. You take, you take your, uh, you take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Hmm. Yeah, Moses is not taking this very. He's 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 he's, he's uh, snapping back at them. That's what he's doing here. Then Moses said to Korah, "Here now, you sons of Levi, isn't a small thing that you that you." Or to you that God, the God of Israel, has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve him and that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brothers, the sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. And what is Aaron that you complain against him? Notice, notice, Moses did not whine and complain that they that they were complaining against him, but rather Aaron. So he took up for Aaron. It's like Moses, being as humble as he was, is like, well, you know, you can complain against me, but not Aaron, my brother. I'm sticking up for my brother. Verse twelve, and Moses sent to Dathan, or excuse me, and Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, but they said, "We will not come up." is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land of uh, up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness? That you should keep acting like a prince over us? Wow, there is here's a it's a quarrel, they're fighting. Moreover, you have not brought us into a land flowing with money, nor given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Will you put out the eyes of these men?
1: We will not come up. Hmm. They're getting pretty nasty with Moses.
0: Then Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. Ooh. See, it's okay to pray like this sometimes, folks. Verse six, excuse me. Uh, Graciously regard, uh, in the footnotes here, uh, do not graciously regard their offering. Do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. And Moses said to Korah, Tomorrow, you and all your company be present before the Lord. You and they, as well as Aaron. Let each take his censer and put incense in it. Again, you see the censer, the incense is a symbol of prayer. And each of you bring his censer before the Lord. 250 censers, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. So every man took his censer, put fire in it laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. And Korah gathered all the congregation against them at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the congregation. Now you know, now you know, don't forget. When the presence of God shows up like this, it can do one of two things. God, when he shows up like this with the cloud, when he shows up in his presence, one of two things happens. It's either you get blessed or the opposite, or the opposite, depending on where you stand. Verse 20, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation. That I may consume them in a moment. Hmm. Wow. And they fell on their faces. Uh, in the footnote, it says they prostrated themselves. They fell on their faces. I can just imagine them, just face down, stomach down in the ground. I'm not talking about just, you know, getting on your knees, face down. I'm ta- I think they're just right out, face down on the Lord, on the on the ground. Before the Lord, so they fell on their faces and God and said, "O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh." This is very much like it sounds very much like the Book of Enoch, where it talks about the fathers of, of all the, of the spirits of all flesh. O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? So the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the congregation, saying, Get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. In other words, look out. Get out of my way. That's what God basically said to Moses. Get out of my way. I'll never forget. I talked about a teenager when I was a teenager, again, living in the life I was living and wasn't very good. It was the, as I call the, in the, in darkness. I remember one time being at a, at a dance and there was a long hallway coming from the doors, the entrance doors to the dance hall. Okay. And I, you know, being as a, Foolish whippersnapper teenager that I was, I was, you know, I was, I was there, and I was with a few other guys, and um actually one other guy, my one of my best friends, and I was just kind of like in the hallway. It was a long hallway. It might have been ah, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet long. It was a long hallway, going from the entrance doors to the dance floor. Now I was near the dance floor area. I was near the end of the hallway. I was kind of just kind of like leaning up against the wall, and before you knew it. The doors just, (laughs) the doors just busted open, just flew open. Okay. And in comes this guy and he, I don't know what he was on. I don't know what happened, whatever happened. He was extremely angry. He was furious. I'm talking about furious. So furious. I'm not kidding you. He walked from the entrance door all the way down. The, there, was, there were people in the hallway doing what I was doing, just kind of hanging out, you know, that kind of thing. People in the hallway. And he it was a long hallway. And he was, he went down the hallway pounding people, punching them right in the face, pop, 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 as he's walking, boom, 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 boom. He got me. He got me. I got a black guy. I don't know what his problem was, but <laughs> God bless him anyway. You know, he had a bad day. Okay, he had a bad day. I don't know what he was on, but anyway. And that's just a man. When God is angry, get out of the way. Ask everybody in the in, in the days of Noah. Ask everybody, ask all the inhabitants of this of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why Lot. Skedaddled out of there. When God gets angry, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Notice Moses did not stand in the gap for Korah, Dathan, and Abiram like like he did with with uh, the children of Israel before. Remember how he's like, "Oh Lord, don't don't hurt
1: them." Don't. He didn't do that this time. He didn't do that this time.
0: Okay, so again verse 23 this is numbers 16 verse 23 so the Lord spoke to Moses saying speak to the congregation saying get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan and Abiram. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram and all the elders of Israel and all the elders of Israel followed him and and he spoke to the congregation saying depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs. Lest you be consumed in all their sins. Remember, we just read uh, Isaiah sixty-four verse five. Uh, no, excuse me, seven, where it talks about that specific group of people. Again, we got here a group of people that are consumed in in all their sins. Okay, and again, this is not everybody. Just like Isaiah sixty-four verses five to seven. In, Encapsulating that one little favorite phrase: "All of your righteousness, all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags." Again, that's not talking about everybody. That's talking about a specific group of people that are consumed in all their sins. They don't call upon God. They don't believe in God. They're uh, God. They're fading. They're they're full of death. They're fading as a leaf. Yada yada yada. So here, it, it kind of it kind of you know. Our reading there, a little bit of a rabbit trail that we took uh, there earlier with Isaiah chapter 64 seems to fit nicely into this particular story. Lest you be consumed in all their sins. Get away from these wicked men. Verse 27. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Oh boy. Can you just imagine? It's like, do you think that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, you know, do you think that they feared? It's like, why is everybody you know, running away from us? Don't you think there must have been some kind of a sense of, you guys are in the line of fire here. You guys are, God has got his crosshairs on you. And, da- and Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives, their sons, and their little children. And Moses said, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. But." If the Lord creates a new thing and the and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. Now it came to pass, as he finished speaking all these words, that the ground split apart under them. This is a sinkhole, guys. You you hear about the sinkholes? It happens all over the place. More so in certain parts of the world, but it happens in, in various places all over the world. When it happens, it's, it's basically the mouth of the earth. The earth opens its mouth and swallows entire houses and people and cars and uh,
1: buildings and uh, everything. That was a sinkhole. That's what happened there. Sinkhole.
0: God just kind of popped that sinkhole. Popped that bubble. The ground split apart under them, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. So they and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the assembly. Then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. Yeah, I'd be running away too. Seeing a whole, you know, bunch of people just get swallowed up and say, ah, I'm out of here. I don't want. To. <laughs> yeah. Too close for comfort. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Now, this is the same kind of thing that happened to a uh Nadab and Abihu, right? When the fire of God consumed them instantly. Instant cremation here. Boom. Done. Pile of ashes. That's it. See you later. That's why it says in Hebrews, our God is a consuming fire. That's why we should fear Him. You got to love it when people say, God is love. God is love. That means love everybody well yes and not so much the way they put it yes yes but not so much as the way they put it because if god is love means that god extends if if whatever god is if he extends that to everybody then also we know that many times in the scriptures it says that god is judge does that mean he judges everybody it says that god is a consuming fire does that mean that Everybody's a pile of ashes right now because God just consumes them all because that's what he is. You understand what I mean? It's it's, it's simple logic, right? If God is love, if that means that he extends love to everybody, then it's just common sense logic. God is a consuming fire. That means he burns everybody up to a crisp as well. Because whatever he is, is that that's what he extends. That's the attribute he extends to everybody. The truth of the matter is that's not how it works. Okay, just because he is love doesn't mean he loves everything, and everybody. Just because he is a consuming fire doesn't mean he consumes everything and everybody. The scriptures are clear. God judges a certain people. God loves a certain people. God consumes a certain people. Scriptures are very clear. Verse thirty-six. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Tell." Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze. For they are holy and scatter the fire some distance away. The censers of these men who sin against their own souls in the footnote or at, at the cost of their own lives. Let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar. Because they presented them before the Lord. Therefore, they are holy. And they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So, Eliezer the priest took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented. (laughs) You know what I picture? It's like, it's like, almost like... uh, you know, in the Wizard of Oz, you get the witch that burns, uh, you know, melts with the water and all you got left is just the clothes. It's like here, it's like all you got left is just a censer. Everything else is just ashes. So Eli, the priest, took the bronze censers, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar to be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider, who is, a, who is not a descendant of Aaron, should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. On the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. <laughs> oh my, oh my. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Okay, you guys. Okay, you guys. You guys are in trouble. When you you see this, eh, I don't think blessing is going to ensue here, but you guys are in trouble. Verse 43. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from among the congregation, that I may consume them in a moment.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, um, okay, 250 do- Two hundred and fifty down, mm, and the rest of them to go here. And they fell on their faces. So Moses said to Aaron, Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make an atonement for them for wrath is gone out from the Lord. Atonement, covering, I suppose there. Yes. Literally it means covering in the footnotes. The plague has begun. Hmm. See, plagues can be and are sent by the Lord. Then Moses, or then Aaron told Took it as Moses ha- uh, commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Now those who died in the plague were four, fourteen thousand seven hundred, besides those who died in the core incident. So Aaron returned to Moses at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, for the plague had stopped. Today, if a plague were to, let me just say this, if, it, if a plague breaks out today, how do you stop it? One of the most effective ways of making atonement, as we have read and we will read, Lord willing, as we go through the Tanakh, is repentance, to change. Not just feeling sorry, not just regret or remorse, I'm talking about repentance changing, stopping, stop doing what you shouldn't be doing. Turn away from sin, turn to the Lord. Okay, so Numbers chapter 17. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, all the leaders according to their father's houses, 12 rods, Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi. For there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony. In other words, before the Ark of the Covenant, basically. Where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Th- thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a rod apiece. For each leader, according to their father's houses, 12 rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Aaron placed Excuse me and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness and behold the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds had produced blossoms and had yielded ripe almonds Then Moses brought all brought out all the rods from before the Lord To to all the children of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony, to be kept as a sign against the rebels, that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Thus did Moses, just as the Lord had commanded him, so he did. So the children of Israel spoke to Moses, saying, Surely we die. We perish. We all perish. Whoever even comes near the tabernacle of the Lord must die. Shall we all utterly die? Numbers chapter 18. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity related to the sanctuary. The Iniquity in the footnote. Guilt, bear the guilt um, related to the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the the iniquity associated with your priesthood. Also, bring with you your brothers of the tribe of Levi, the tri- the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons are with you before the the tabernacle of witness. They shall attend to your needs and all the needs of the tabernacle, but they shall not come near the articles of the sanctuary and the altar lest they die. They and you also, they shall be joined with you and attend the needs of the tabernacle of meeting for all the work of the tabernacle, but but an outsider shall not come near you. And you shall attend to the duties of the sanctuary and the duties of the altar, that there may be no more wrath on the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your, your, your brothers, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you, given by the Lord, to do the work of the tabernacle of meeting. Therefore, you and your sons with you shall attend to, the, to your priesthood, for everything at the altar and behind the veil, and you shall serve. I give your priesthood to you as a gift for service. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. Offerings for support of the priests. And the Lord spoke to Aaron, quote, Here, I myself have also uh, given you charge of my heave offerings. In the footnotes, custody of my heave offerings. All the holy gifts of the children of Israel, I have given them as a portion to you and your sons as an ordinance forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things reserved from fire. Every offering of theirs, every grain offering, and every sin offering, and every trespass offering which they render to me shall be most holy for you and your sons. In a most holy place you shall eat it. Every male shall eat it. It shall be holy to you. This also is yours, the heave offering of their gift, with all the wave offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and your sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. All the best of the oil, all the best of the new wine and the grain. Their first fruits, which they offer to the Lord, I have given them to you. Whatever first ripe fruit is in their land, which they bring to the Lord, shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house may eat it. Every devoted thing in Israel shall be yours. Devoted thing or consecrated thing, I believe that would be. Yes, consecrated thing. Everything that they give to the Lord basically would be for the Levites. Everything that first opens the womb of all flesh, which they bring to the Lord, whether man or beast, shall be yours. So you see what they're doing here. They're bringing the first fruits of the crops, which is basically the best of the crops. The best of the, um, the animals for meat. Uh, and... Um, The best of everything that's consecrated, holy to the Lord. So they're given the the Levites basically the the cream of the crop. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man you shall surely redeem, and the firstborn of unclean animals you shall redeem. And those redeemed of the devoted things you shall redeem when one month old, according to your valuation. For five shekels of silver, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which is 12 geras. But the firstborn of a cow, the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat, you shall not redeem. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar and burn their fat as an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma to the Lord. And their flesh shall be yours, just as a wave, just as the wave breast and the right thigh are yours. The wave breast uh, in the footnotes, the breast of the wave offering. That makes a little bit more sense. Verse 19. And all the heave offerings of the holy things, which the children of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and, and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord, with you and your descendants with with you. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the children of Israel. Tithes for support of the Levites. Verse 21. Behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tithes in Israel as an inheritance. In the footnotes as a possession in the in the re, in, excuse me in return for the work which they perform the work of the tabernacle of meeting hereafter the children of israel shall not come near the tab- tabernacle of meeting lest they bear sin and die but the levites shall perform the work of the Tower of Meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever, throughout your generations, that among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer up as a heave offering to the Lord, I have given to the Levites as as an inheritance or as a possession. Therefore I have said to them, among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. The tithe, the tithe of the Levites. Verse 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak thus to the Levites and say to them, When you take from the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from, from them as your inheritance, then you shall offer up a heave offering of it to the Lord, a tenth of a tithe. And and your heave offering shall be reckoned to you as though it it were the grain of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus, you shall—excuse me—you shall also offer a heave offering to the Lord from all your tithes, which you receive from the children of Israel, and you shall give the Lord the Lord's heave offering from it to Aaron the priest. Of all your gifts, you shall offer up every heave offering due to the Lord from all the best of them the consecrated part of them. Therefore, you shall say to them, when you have lifted up the best of it, then the rest shall be accounted to the Levites as the produce of the threshing floor and as the produce of the wine press. You may eat it in any place, you and your households, for it is your reward for your work in the time of And you shall bear no sin because of it when you have lifted up the best of it. But you shall not profane the holy gifts of the children of Israel, lest you die. Numbers chapter 19, laws of purification. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance, or statute, statute, of the law which the Lord has commanded saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish without defect. okay by the way, this particular whole uh, for those of you who don't for actually for a number for decades now, they have been preparing Israel for the third temple. And one of their preparations, excuse me, is actually um, raising red heifers. Okay, they're actually doing this today. Uh, they're getting everything ready for the third temple of uh, of Ezekiel or Ezekiel's temple, if you want to call it that way. Uh, so, yeah, what we're reading, what we are reading uh, here, is what they are preparing for right now. So, bring you a red heifer without blemish, in in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. And you shall give it to Eliezer, the priest, that he may take it outside the camp and it shall be slaughtered before them, before him. And Eliezer, the priest, shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the temple of meeting. Then the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its offal shall be burned." And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet and cast them into the midst of the fire burning the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes, he shall bathe in water, and afterward he shall come into the camp. The priest shall shall be unclean until evening. And the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water, and shall be unclean until evening. Then a man who is clean shall gather up The ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place. And they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification, water of purification or water of impurity. It is for purifying from sin. And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a statute forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. He who touches the dead body of anyone—I suppose that would be the carcass or the soul. Of, it says here literally soul of man. Those who touches the dead soul of man—it sounds strange. Let's put it that way. Of anyone shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with water. On the third day and on the seventh day, then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he w- he will not be clean. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be clean because the water purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. This is the law. When a man dies in a tent. All who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean seven days. And every open vessel which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. Whoever in the open field touches one who is slain by the by a sword, or who has died, or a bone of any of a man, or a grave, shall be unclean seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for the purification of sin, and running water shall be put on them in a a vessel. Now, I know some of you there on the um, podcast. uh, Yeah, okay. All right, it's done here. Verse 18. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the in the water, sprinkle it on the tent, and, all, and on, excuse me, on all the vessels, on the persons who were there, or on the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or a grave. The clean person shall sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. And on the seventh day he shall purify himself, wash his clothes, and bathe in water, And at the evening he shall be clean. But the man who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person shall be cut off from among among the assembly, because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water of purification has not been sprinkled on him. He is unclean. It shall be a perpetual statute for them. He who sprinkles the water of purification shall wash his clothes and he who touches the water of purification shall be unclean until evening whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean and the person who touches it shall be unclean until evening and so tomorrow we will read about Moses error at Kadesh okay so we got lots of questions and comments here not sure I can get to all of them if there's something here that I miss, uh, if there's something here that's really pressing on, uh, that you would want me to, uh, want to bring to my attention, just put at Christopher uh, and uh, that will uh, that will grab my attention. Yeah, so I apologize. I can't get to all of these comments because I uh, just
1: have to go here. Shortly, but let's see what we got. yeah, Shalom Nathan. very, very interesting one
0: john two twenty six thank you, thank you for po- pointing this out. Uh, in the Septuagint tolet uh was translated into Greek as highus. Hy- hy- uh, which is hyacinth. The color of the hyacinth flower ranges from violet blue to a bluish purple. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Jeff, speaking about uh, Alan Horvath, I'm not very familiar with Alan Horvath. I'm, I'm sorry. I cannot really comment much about that.
1: going nowhere ask a question
0: have you ever wondered what heaven looks like or what people do in heaven I'd imagine that'd be a scary thought to people uh, you get there and heaven is boring uh, you know I, I, there's a lot of testimonies you can hear you can read lots of videos you can listen to of people who uh, have claimed to have went to heaven um, and you know there are some that are not what they uh, they're not uh, there, there are some of those testimonies that I do not believe is legit, but many of them are. Many of them actually confirm the other. Fearmonger. Uh, speaking of the seed, seed, I tie my own into my garments. Keep the commandments. Amen. Amen. Good to
1: see you. By the way, fearmonger. Yeah, Christina, very good. Uh, how could gazing upon the glory of God get boring?
0: I imagine we would be praising him day and night. Yeah, uh, uh, amen to that. Uh, yeah, what can you say? You know, it says, in the, it says in the scriptures that the angels are constantly praising God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Um, all the time, just day and night. Uh, and, the th- and the reason why is because they keep because it 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 doesn't get boring, right? It just it it's just so fresh, it's so beautiful, it's so glorious, it's so holy. And it's just it's always fresh, always fresh. The very essence and
1: the very author and the very source of all life. Again, I cannot get to all of this,
0: all of these comments, but I'm trying to get as many as I can. Um,
1: Abril says, Shalom, Shalom, Shalom. Good to see you. Welcome. Abril says, I'm so far behind. I'd have to re uh, rewatch another time.
0: Says, oh wow, I'm looking for something like that book, Christopher. Yeah, um, it's very good. And the book, I think, I think you're referring to this. Um, this book is especially good for people who have a background of seeking spiritual, spiritual things apart from the church. Like people who get who get involved in spiritualism or new age or any other religion actually too it's got like any other religion um and this is good for everybody don't get me wrong it's good for everybody it's just that it's it's especially good for those kind of people um that would be apt to you know be interested in that kind of or people that have dabbled in that kind of stuff in their in their in their life who is the author Yeah, Uh, the author is Neil T. Anderson. Neil T. Anderson. And this is a very, uh, very small book. Very, uh, what is it, like 50 pages? Less than 50 pages. 48. 48 pages, Steps to Freedom in Christ. It's actually a, um, it's kind of like a summary of the Bondage Breaker book. I don't think, I don't know if I've even read the entire Bondage Breaker book. Maybe I have, but this is like a highlight. This is like the highlights of the Bondage
1: Breaker book. Um, yeah. So highly recommended for sure. 1 John two
0: twenty six 26 says 349 at Walmart.
1: Nathan says, why do you keep saying
0: God and not Elohim or Abba Father? Because God is more conventionally used in English. Elohim is Hebrew, okay? We got Theos in Greek. So, I mean, the, it's a, it means the same thing. God is not a name. It's a title, okay? So, uh, that's why sometimes I use the name Jesus as well. I understand the history of it. I understand that how it went from Yeshua to Jesus. Um, Be it God, Theos, Deus, Elohim, Abba Father, whatever God answers to to all of these things. He knows what we're you know He knows who we're speaking to. It's like me, right? Um, I'm Christopher. People call me Chris. That's okay. I I answer to Chris. People call me Greece, right? They call me Chris. I'm like, well. answer to that because i know who they're talking to i don't think that god is so sticky that he's like you didn't pronounce my name right actually if all all truth be known we don't we do not speak and we probably will never know and maybe maybe perhaps someday uh in the eternal plan of things we will never know exactly how moses Moshe, (laughs) if you want to get it, that you want to talk about names, exactly how Moshe pronounced the name of God, or even God, or Elohim, Um, we see in the scriptures. We see in the Tanakh there are there were even even within the people of Israel themselves, people pronounced things differently. Remember Mephibosheth, and then there's Mephib. They pronounced it differently. There were different pronunciations even amongst the people of God themselves. So, I, I, you know, it's, if someone knows Jesus as Jesus, if someone knows Yeshua or Yahusha or Yahusha or Yeshu as Jesus, I'm going to talk to that person using the name Jesus. That's what they know. Just like how some people know me as Chris. There's some people that know me as Chris alone. They don't, to them, to call me Christopher is, is really strange. Some people that know me as Chris alone. So other people, to say Chris, it sounds strange. It's more like Christopher. I prefer Christopher, but I answer no matter. I mean, it's the same. I understand who you're talking to. Uh, I understand what you mean. I understand who you you mean. You worship God in spirit and truth. That's what God is, is concerned about. Spirit and truth. It's almost like. In the days of Yeshua, when he was with the woman at the well, and they're like, "Well, where where do you worship God? In Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem? You know, which where do you worship? Right? Because according to the Samaritan Bible, it's in, it's on Mount Gerizim, but according to the Jewish Bible, it's on it's in Jerusalem, right? Or Mount Ebal. So um, so one says this, that you worship God in Samaria, and the other one says you worship God in, in Jerusalem. So uh it's it's like it's a good question actually to ask Jesus, but he answered it in such a good, very good way. It's like, it doesn't matter. Okay, don't get stuck well, stuck up with these all these little little details. What matters is spirit and truth. So I think that's how he looks at it when it comes to pronunciation as well. It's like the way you form your fleshly lips and, and and you and and the sounds the phonetic sounds you make in this earthly body is not i mean it's spirit and truth that matters the most right you call you want to call jesus Isa or you know Jesus or yesu or yeshu uh whatever he answers to it all same with god God, Elohim, Elohim, as some Jewish people say. Elohim, Father, um, Abba, I like Father too, Abba,
1: for sure. So the question is Is it
0: true that sin be a thing outside the law of God? I'm. Um, if I were to, if if I understand your question properly, it's like whatever's outside of the law of God is sin. Uh, it depends on how you interpret that. That's a tough one to answer because Tim, what does it mean to be outside the law of God? Sin is the transgression of the law of God. Anything that 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 transgresses the law of God. If God says, "Do this." and you don't do it, that's a sin. If God says, don't do it, and you do it, that's a sin. Okay, thou shalt not steal. You steal, that's a sin. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord in vain. You do it, that's a sin. Uh, simple as that. First John 3, 4. Sin is the transgression of the law. Caballero says, thank you for explaining. It makes perfect sense. Thank you very much. Yes, and the great deception actually just quoted that sin is the transgression of the law. Bourbon on DLive says thanks I'll look into that book
1: Winning Spiritual Warfare by Neil T Anderson. The great deception says I think Cora and his cohorts thought fringes
0: seat seats Uh, Are crazy? Maybe. Um, It seems that the seat seat command came after Torah, uh, uh, after after. (laughs) Excuse me, not Torah, after Korah. Um, Yeah. So maybe I mean maybe God instituted this the seat seat as a way to say, "Hey guys, don't be like Korah." I mean, don't. You know, here, here's, here's, here's a little, here's a little help, a little um, tip here for you guys here. Where these, or, you know, put this in your
1: garment, wear that blue thread just to remind you. Yeah, Christina, it's the exact same thing as
0: me. Like I say God so Christians, I'm speaking to understand what I'm referring to. I use his name. I use his name in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like in my day-to-day life, day, day day, excuse me, in my day-to-day life as well, in my personal private life as well. I don't Jesus is not a, I don't say Jesus much. If if at all, maybe not even at all. Um but when I'm in, in the public, I do just so that people understand who I'm
1: talking about. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: 3,000 killed on the day on Shavuot, the first Shavuot. Uh, and uh, the Holy Spirit came and 3,000 were added. Yes, in book of Acts. Pauline says, God is love when
1: you obey him. Oh, beautiful. Absolutely. Amen to that. Right? God is light, right? So how can light love darkness? Right? Uh, Yahuwah's word
0: is truth, says, world love accepts everything. World love picks unrighteousness over truth. Yes, that's the thing, right? World love, they claim to be all love and acceptance and, you know, love and tolerance and acceptance. Except if you preach righteousness. Except if you disagree with their lifestyle. Except if, you know, then they'll show you a lot of hate, right? A lot of hate. So much for the love. So even the world, who even the people in the world who claims, every, you know, they love everything and everybody, it's it, it, it's 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 not true. It's it's impossible. It's just not true. In fact, the people who preach love so much, unacceptable. Excuse me, not unacceptable, but um, unconditional love and acceptance of God. These kind of people. They're the first ones I find. They're the first ones to block you. They're the first ones to unfriend you. They're the first ones to ignore you. They're the first ones to cast you out of their fellowship. They're the first ones to really, yeah, so, yeah love all right.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they call good evil and evil.
0: They shall call evil good and good evil. Yes. Byron says, do you think the rapture will be in our lifetime? Maybe we will be very old when it happens. Um, okay. It's it's a huge topic. It's a huge topic. I, I have actually lots of different, lots of content on that as well. And again, I don't want to get into a whole lot of. I don't want to get into a huge discussion. You know, there are videos that I've actually spent uh all the entire video talking about that. But in a nutshell, um, I was trained. I actually, you know, uh, I actually was trained and took a course on Bible prophecy shortly after um, I had that, uh, what I would call the born again experience or the, um, you know, after I got saved, after God totally recreated me instantly, completely in 1992, uh 1992, going into 1993, I took a Bible prophecy course. And I'm not sure how many of you um, believe this way, but I was taught. I don't see it now because I read the Bible a little bit more, <laughs> but I don't see it now. But I was taught, and I used to believe that, the rapture happened, and then there's a seven-year tribulation, then Jesus come back again to set things straight and set up his kingdom on earth. Um, no. There is a rapture that would happen, but it happens when he comes back to to um, in great power, in great glory, in the sight of all men, in the sight of the entire world, as the lightning. <laughs> okay, uh, So with using that definition of rapture, do you think the, – the so the question is, do you think the rapture will happen in our lifetime? Maybe we will be very old when it happens. Um, I don't – we should be wise. We should be the wise virgins. No. You see, the ten vir- there was ten virgins, and the bridegroom went away saying, I'll be back soon. The foolish virgin said, hey, he'll be back soon. We're, uh, he'll come back any time now. He said soon. It can't be that long. We don't need oil for our lamps, like, not that long, because he's gonna, he'll come back before nighttime, that's for sure. Be, he's coming back soon. Whereas the wise virgin said, um, uh, well, he said he'll come back soon, but just in case, he takes all night. We need to make sure we have enough oil in our lamps to last all night. So, you know the story. The, the foolish versions got rejected, rejected in the end. So I said that because we need to be ready for the for the long haul. We should also be ready for... In the short term as well. Always be ready. He could it could be another couple hundred years. I'm just saying. It could be a hundred years, it could be 50, it could be 20 years, it could be two months. I don't know. Okay. I, I really I, I can't really see it happening that fast, but I can't really say that either because you see how fast things happen in the world today. So do I think the rapture will be, will, will be in our, our lifetime. I, I can't, no, I don't, I can't say I think it will be. I can say this though. There's a possibility it will be.
1: There's a possibility it will be. So, Hey, um, yeah. It's a possibility.
0: Anything's possible. And the way things are going, I mean, we're we're heading on the world. Not necessarily we, but the world is on the fast track, like breakneck speed down the road of destruction. Down the road of destruction, testing God blatantly. They're calling on God's wrath, basically. They are taunting God by their sin. And we know that all these plagues that will come upon the earth before that great and dread, dreadful day, before, the, before Yeshua actually shows up in great power, in great glory, according to Jude, coming back with tens and thousands of his saints to execute judgment on the ungodly. We know in the book of Revelation, and we know throughout throughout all the scriptures, actually, that those plagues and those hardships, um, the famine, the natural disasters, the diseases, um, all the things that are coming on this world are coming because of sin. That's why. God's patience is not forever. It's very clear. He's been very, very patient. And sometimes I look at what's going on in the world. I have to say this, Byron, and everyone else, too, as well, listening. There are many times, especially even in the past couple years. We know what the world has went through in the past couple years. There are many times I look
1: at the sin level of the world. And I say, hmm. It's
0: amazing that this is all we got. It's only by God's mercy that we've only got this much trouble so far. The world is begging for God's wrath. So, hey, I mean, it can happen fast. It may not happen fast, but it can. Uh, so, I don't know what to. Uh, you know, that's all I can say.
1: I can't say I, th- I. I think it will happen. I can say there's a possibility it might.
0: Christina, this has been a great study tonight. Christopher, thank you. Thank you very much, Christina. Uh, Bourbon says, can you put replays on DLive? I don't like YouTube. I will look into that, Bourbon. I will look into that.
1: I don't blame you. You know, <laughs> Yeah, I will look into that.
0: Psalm 119. Hey, everyone. Hey, how's it going? Good to see you. Welcome. But actually, I am actually on... um, I am actually on my last few minutes of this uh, live stream. Uh, So, uh, Bourbon here posted a thing here. I can't really... For some reason, I can't put this up on the screen. But thank you very much, Bourbon. little graphic hearts and says much love very right? much i appreciate that bourbon multiplied back to you okay guys so that'll wrap it up for tonight we had a, we had a little bit of a longer study tonight but we had lots to cover yeah um in some ways i think it might be a little bit i hope it's not too fast but uh we had lots to cover we went through a lot and uh yeah awesome okay so tomorrow we will be reading. Uh, Picking up where we where we left off, Um, passes through Edom. Okay, so at one point in time, too, we will be. uh, I don't know, maybe tomorrow. We'll see how it goes. If not, we'll we'll just continue with the scriptures. If not, maybe uh, get into some of the other extra biblical texts, like the Book of Jasher or Book of Jubilees or uh, Legends of the Jews, and just kind of kind of look back into what. Was uh, what it says there about some of the stuff we read as well as um kind of skimming over the samaritan torah as well um and uh, see what kind of nuggets we can we can pull out of there okay one john 226 says thank you christopher good night and blessings Caballero says thank you for another day of great teachings thank you guys thank you for your uh for your um Kind comments, your encouraging comments. I appreciate it. Byron says, Heavy. Good night, guys. Shalom. Shalom, Byron. Blessings multiplied to you guys. Vinny says, Thank you, Christopher. God bless you. Shalom. God bless you more, Vinny. All right, guys. I'll see you guys tomorrow, Lord willing. Same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. You guys are awesome, as always. You guys are world changers. Pray the Lord use you mightily to to preach, to spread His word, to get many parties in heaven on the go, people repenting, and the the uh, the angels of heaven rejoicing because of that. Amen. Okay, guys, I'll see you tomorrow. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you, make His face to shine upon you, lift up His countenance
1: upon you, and give you wonderful. Wonderful. Shalom. See you tomorrow.